Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today my guest is Dr. Kelly Bender, who is a naturopathic medical doctor in Los Angeles, California, specializing in natural and preventive medicine. Dr. Bender, great to have you with us. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. So today we're pivoting a bit in terms of our theme. Uh, We're going to focus on the advice that Dr. Bender has to help people understand the latest information about the coronavirus, how they can keep themselves, their families, and their communities safe. There has been significant personal and economic impact already due to COVID-19, and we're all very interested in seeing this through uh, safely. So Dr. Bender, there's a lot of information out there about COVID-19. I guess the first question is, what information can we trust? I mean, we know CDC and WHO, that's what we keep hearing. Uh, What is your perspective? Yeah, so this is a novel, it's called novel coronavirus, which means we don't really know all that much about it. Um, Of course, CDC and the World Health Organization are the two leading sources of information that I would have people go back to because they can help people understand kind of in the broader context. Um, And the World Health Organization obviously uh, is getting information from all the different countries, some of whom have had this for longer than we have and have made strides in testing and Uh, diagnosing and things that we haven't quite here. So I think those are really helpful. Um, Also, your public health department, wherever you live, you should have a county health department. That would be my number one place to go if you're curious about testing sites or, you know, what the most up-to-date information is for your county. There's several different counties that have, um, you know, different spread that's happening. Different counties are... Uh, telling people to stay indoors or to avoid public places. So your public health department for your local area is probably the best information as far as how to interact in your community. Got it. That makes sense. That includes local distinctions that may be missing from a general CDC, let's say, update. Exactly. And a lot of people, I think, forget to go to their county Uh, Department of Health website, and hopefully they're all up to date. I know the LA County one updates, uh, you know, hourly. Very good. How does one know if they have the coronavirus? I mean, this seems to be a flu season anyway. So many people that I encounter are, you know, dealing with the sniffles or they're sneezing or they're just not feeling very well. And I can't imagine they've all got COVID-19. Right. So, You know, we don't have a lot of testing in the states yet, and so there might be people walking around with COVID-19 who have no idea that they have it. Unfortunately, they're at the risk of spreading it, which is why we're trying to get uh, testing on board sooner rather than later. The thing to understand about COVID-19 is it primarily affects the lower respiratory tract. So when we talk about that, we, we generally mean the lungs, right? So people are having a cough. And they're having, you know, difficulty breathing, shortness of breath, um, things that are kind of people would say like a chest cold. With this particular virus, most people aren't having what we consider upper respiratory symptoms, which are nasal congestion, sore throat, itchy eyes, um, those type of, of symptoms. 
And also, most people with this, are they're having a fever. So part of the triage is asking, you know, have you had a fever, cough, difficulty breathing, and no other symptoms? That's, you know, the first check on the checkbox of, does this person need to get tested? Got it. Okay. So how do we prevent it? I obviously am aware that we're supposed to be washing our hands for 20 minutes. I've been trying to do that. It is an excruciatingly long period of time to wash your hands. It just makes me realize I've been doing five second hand washes all my life. So um, curious, why 20 seconds? What is the sort of magic number there? They actually have studies. And I think that this study is going around on the internet uh, showing the pictures they had somebody's hands with these kind of phosphorescent bacteria. But what you'll notice over the time span, you know, they do, I think, a five second, a 10 second, a 15 second, and a 20 second. By the time you are washing for 20 seconds, almost all of it's gone. So I don't know that it's a magic number um, necessarily, but, but that's what the research shows pretty much if you're going longer than 20 seconds, you, you know, the return on that is pretty low. But if you're at 10 seconds, you still have, you know, a significant amount of um, bacteria or virus on your hands. Okay. And how does hand sanitizer play into this? Good question. Uh, washing your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds is much better than using hand sanitizer. But using hand sanitizer is much better than not washing your hands. So if you have access to washing your hands on a regular basis, go with that. Um, also, hand sanitizers can dry out your hands, which can leave them cracked, and that potentially can you know, expose you. So I would you know, do everything you can to keep your hands moisturized in between either the hand washing and definitely the hand sanitizing. Okay, what about just wearing gloves? Wearing gloves probably is a good precaution if you can get them. The reason that people are so uh, concerned with your hands is not because the virus can enter through the skin on your hands. If you touch a doorknob that has the virus on it, it's not getting into your system that way unless you have you know, cuts or rashes or, or things like that. The issue is, as humans, we tend to touch our faces a lot with our hands that is how the virus gets into your body. This specific virus can get in through your mouth, through your nose, through the eyes. And so probably not a bad idea to wear gloves, touch all the things that you want to touch, take the gloves off. And then if you haven't had an, uh, an opportunity to wash your hands or sanitize your hands, theoretically your hands should be clean and then you can go ahead and touch your face or do anything you need to do. I did see a woman in the grocery store the other day who was wearing gloves, walking around, touching all the things, and then went and wiped her face. <laughs> that does not help. Right. Right. Wearing gloves alone is not protecting you. Uh, and I've had some patients just having the feeling of gloves on their hands reminds them not to touch their face. Right. That makes sense. So if, the, if, so if that is helpful for you, I think that that's a great idea. Okay. And then there's social distancing. So how far away should people be standing or sitting from one another so that they don't uh, encounter these droplets? This virus, as many other viruses, gets spread through droplets. So even talking, you have little water droplets that come out. Of course, coughing, sneezing, those types of things. Going back to kind of physics, 
right? If you if you launch something out, uh, there's an arc that goes down before it hits the floor. So if you can envision that arc, if you're standing really close to somebody a foot or two, that arc is probably going to hit you right in the face. That's the splash zone, and you do not want that. Um, if you go three, four, five feet back, you're probably, that arc's probably going to hit you in the chest or maybe a little bit lower, so you'll have those droplets on your clothes, but they won't be in your face. So if you are talking to somebody who happens to have the virus and it gets on your shirt, and then you touch your shirt and touch your face, we have a problem, right? right. So I would say three or four feet, unless somebody is, you know, sneezing very forcefully, if they're sneezing very forcefully, it could be, you know, four feet and it's still going straight into your face. Um, otherwise, I would say, uh, you know, three, four feet, you're probably getting that arc um, hitting you in the chest if you're about the same height as that person. So kind of take that into account. I imagine the best defense is to keep uh, your immune system up. How can people stay healthy? Absolutely. So Again, this is a novel coronavirus, so we don't really know everything that will kill it. Um, and so with all viruses, um, the flu virus, coronaviruses, hepatitis, any sort of virus, we don't have a lot of good pharmaceuticals for viruses. They're really, really tricky and really good at hiding in the body. And so we normally rely on our body's immune system. We have certain parts of our body's immune system that will help identify cells that have been infected with this virus and help um, combat that. And so until we know more, there are studies going on in China, and I'm sure there'll be studies going on in places like Italy and, and other places that have a big population of, of known um, cases. Until we have treatments that we know are effective against this in particular, boosting your immune system is probably the best thing that we have. There are you know, definitely supplements that have been shown to increase immune system, like vitamin C is really well known. Zinc is another one. Vitamin D and vitamin A both can increase your innate immune system. Echinacea and uh, elderberry which is actually a delicious syrup. It's usually pretty palatable for kids. Mm -hmm. um, so taking supplements is a nice way to kind of keep your immune system boosted. The number one thing I tell my patients is sleep. Mm. Sleep is when your immune system is at its highest. Sleep is when your body is recovering from the day. So if you can get good, deep, adequate sleep, that's one of the best things that you can do to keep your immune system up. Also, making sure that you limit your sugar, dairy, alcohol, those things tend to be inflammatory for a lot of people um, and definitely don't help your immune system at all. Don't go for pizza and ice cream. Probably not the best idea if you want to keep your immune system up. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, if you are starting to feel a little run down, Oftentimes, we'll have people take a nice hot shower, hot bath, do a sauna. Um, getting your body temperature up is actually one of the ways that your immune system turns on. Like if you're having a fever, that's your body turning up the heat that will turn on these heat-reactive proteins in your immune system to go start looking for viruses and other things. Hmm. Okay, so no pizza, no ice cream, don't wash it down with beer, hot showers, 
keep your body warm. And sleep. And sleep, sleep. right. Okay. So one last question. Uh, does COVID-19 have a season like the common cold or is it here to stay for an extended period of time? As much as we know about the flu, we don't know exactly why we have the, you know, quote unquote flu season. We think that it's because as the temperatures go up, the virus can't survive as well. And so it decreases the spread. With this particular virus, it can spread from person to person um, and has such a long incubation period. It is having a different spread pattern than, than the flu typically has. And places in uh, Southeast Asia where it's starting to get warmer, you know, it's in the 80s, 90s, they're still having the spread. And so it seems that, at least for this first round, when so many people don't have any immunity towards this particular virus, we may not see the drops over summer that we would normally see. Hmm. It's possible that, you know, once we get a better handle on this and more people have built up an innate immune response in subsequent seasons, we will have a seasonality to it. But right now, the reason that this is spreading so quickly is no one has immunity to it. So uh, everyone who, who gets it, their immune system has to take several days to start building up uh, response to kill it off. Whereas if your body had seen this before, instead of taking three to five days to get that infection under control, it'll take one to two days because your body is primed and ready to go. It's seen it before. So I think with this one, uh, a friend of mine works over at Cedars. There's a couple of other people who are preparing to do testing and, and they're, they're looking at a timeline of three to four months. Um, hopefully, you know, we get the spread under control. But again, there's probably a lot of people who have been exposed who didn't even know that they were exposed to it. And so for the next, you know, couple of months, being cognizant of hand washing and all these precautions that we've talked about is probably a good idea. Yeah. Dr. Bender, where can people go for more information like what you've shared with us today? Yeah, uh, my website will have a guide for people to have some more specifics uh, about what they can do to stay safe. And that website is purevitalitycenter.com purevitalitycenter.com. All right. Well, we will do our best to stay healthy. Thank you so much for your help in this and for taking time away from what I know is a particularly busy time for you uh, to share some of your thoughts with us. Thank you for having me. And um, hopefully people have a little bit of calm from listening to this and will continue to carry on. Very good. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com. 